Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is a woman I am so inspired by. Her name is Beth McCord, and she's an Enneagram coach. Now listen, you may be thinking, uh, a what coach, Stephanie? Well, the Enneagram is a personality assessment that more and more people have been talking about and taking lately. And the way I've come to understand it, it's designed to do two things. First, it helps us get to know ourselves better, which I love. Second, it helps us overcome some of the roadblocks in our lives and become the very best versions of ourselves. And I love that even more. It also helps us better understand and empathize with the people in our lives, and that is amazing too. Now, I don't know how you feel about personality assessments. Maybe you're a huge fan of them, maybe you've never taken one, and maybe you are rolling your eyes as you think, ugh, this again. But listen, there is a reason I wanted to share about this in one of our girls' nights. God has been using the Enneagram in my life in huge ways over the last several months. I started learning about it and took the assessment back in September, and I did it for a few reasons. But the biggest one was that in a few areas of my life, I felt stuck. There were these frustrations that kept cropping up, these things that kept making me feel sad or hurt or anxious or insecure. I kept tripping into the same situations, and I couldn't find a pattern in any of it. I felt like I kept running into the same wall, and I wasn't sure what the wall even was or how to get around it. And then I found the Enneagram. The Enneagram has helped me understand my heart and my mind and my personality so much better than I ever have before. It's helped me identify areas where I'm really strong and gifted and areas that I need to work on, and it helped connect the dots between those frustrations and the situations I was experiencing. It also has given me such a personal roadmap for how to grow into the healthiest, freest, and most vibrant version of myself. It has been a game changer for me. And so that's why I just knew I had to share it with y'all. Friends, I am so excited to put this tool into your hands because I know that if you use it, it'll make a big difference in your life and in your relationships, and I'm so excited to get started. But before we dive in with Beth, there is something that I am seriously so excited to tell you about. Enrollment for my online course, Make the Most of Your Single Life, opens today, like right now today. I only teach this course twice a year, and enrollment is open today, and I would love to have y'all join us. And the reason is because I know that being single and dating can be really tough sometimes. We're asking questions like, why hasn't this happened for me yet? And should I be putting myself out there more? And should I be waiting on God? What does that even mean or even look like? We're asking, how do I keep my friendships when everyone around me is getting into a relationship or getting engaged or getting married? We're asking, why am I constantly put in the friend zone? Or should I be online dating? Or what am I supposed to do with my sex drive while I'm single? And that's just the beginning. I asked all of these questions when I was single and more, but along the way, Through making a lot of mistakes and learning the hard way, and through the guidance of some really smart and wonderful people, I found some answers to those questions. I found answers that helped me make my single life a season I actually really enjoyed. I found answers that helped me use that season to invest in myself, and in my friendships, and in my dreams, and in my relationship with God. I was able to use that season of life to become the woman I had always wanted to be, to start living the life I'd always wanted to live. Not only that, but those things I did, and the things you can do too, are the exact reason I was in the right place at the right time to meet my husband. They're the exact reason he noticed me, actually. And those same things have set us up for a marriage that is, quite frankly, beyond anything I ever could have asked for or imagined. And you want to know the best news in all of this? The things I did are absolutely repeatable. And that's what I'll be sharing with you in this course. 
Guys, I am so excited about this and I'm so excited to get to invite you into this. So here's the link with all the info. You ready? It's loveyoursinglelife.com. That's where you can find out all about the course. You'll find out how an online course works, what you'll learn over the course of those five weeks, and you can sign up there too. But make sure to sign up soon because enrollment closes on Friday, February 9th at 11.59 p.m. PST, to be exact. Okay, here's the link again. It's loveyoursinglelife.com. Oh, and just really quickly, I know that some of y'all might be listening to this episode in a totally different time of the year, and that's fine. You can still go to that website and check out the course, and if you're interested, you can put your name on a waiting list there so that you're the first to know next time enrollment opens up. Whew, okay, that was a lot of information, but as we're talking about tools to live our best lives and become the best versions of ourselves, I wanted to make sure y'all knew about this course. So, now, with that said, let's jump into our conversation with Beth. Um, guys, I'm so excited for what we have for you today. Um, I'm here with my new friend, Beth, um, and we have some really, just something really, really exciting for you today. I'm really, really excited for you to get to hear from her. Um, so Beth, before we jump in, would you mind, um, just taking a second to introduce yourself and, um, I've been putting all of my friends on the spot, uh, in this podcast and asking for a fun fact. So I'd love to hear it. Tell us who you are, what you do and a fun fact, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Yeah, I'm Beth McCord, and I live in Franklin, Tennessee, which is not too far from you, just mm-hmm. south of Nashville. Yeah. Um, I have two kids. I have a freshman in college and a senior in high school, um, and I've been married 22 years to Jeff, who is my best friend, um, and we um, he is a pastor. And then I am an Enneagram coach. So I have a website called yourenneagramcoach.com, and I get to for the joy of my life, I get to coach people, which really what that means is I get to help them understand themselves better and why they do what they do and to help them kind of advert um, and stay away from those common pitfalls they have so that they can be on their best path and, and experience real joy and freedom in life that we're all looking for. But if we don't know why we fall into those common pitfalls, it's hard to stay away from them. So I get the joy of showing them their common pitfalls and why it happens, but I also get to show them, hey, here's the path that you're really gonna wanna take. And I get to cheer them on. So that is what I do. Oh, best job. I love that. It is. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay, so um, before we get any further, oh wait, fun fact, fun fact, I almost yes. forgot. Um, okay, so one thing that a lot of people don't know is that I love to fly fish. So we go trout fishing, and I've been going with my dad since I was eight years old. And now we still go uh, twice a year. And my kids have been going since they've been born. And we go in this beautiful spot in the Ozarks where there's no one, not even cell phone coverage. And we just get to enjoy nature and fish and be together as a family. So kind of a fun fact. Oh, that's so fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, that's become like one of my favorite parts of this podcast is getting to hear everyone's fun facts. We've had everything from like, I believe there can never be enough goat cheese on things to like <laughs> just different interests to, yeah. you know, I've shaken president's hands. I mean, it's just, oh, I, cool. I love that question. Um, yeah. So before we go any further, I know that maybe some of the women in our audience have been like, oh, the Enneagram, totally. And other people are like, the whatogram. So exactly. can you give us just a breakdown? Like what what is the Enneagram? What is the yes. Enneagram and how can it help us in our lives? Absolutely. Yes. It is a funny word and it's not new in the sense that it's actually been around for over 2,500 years. 
um, if you were to see the symbol, it looks like a, a star with nine points, so a nine-pointed star. Uh, but inia means nine in Greek, and gram means diagram. And so it's really talking about this nine-pointed geometric figure that is really simply a map for self-discovery and personal growth. Um, the diagram is going to describe um, the nine basic types of personalities. Now, that doesn't mean that there's a, a lot of layers and nuances. There is. Even though I'm a type nine and they go by numbers, there's a wide range of type nines. Okay, so there's a wide shade of nines. And that goes into a lot more teaching that we don't have time for today. But just to let people know, you know, just because you're one of these nine types doesn't mean that you don't have your own unique um, flavor and nuances and characteristics um, that you're not just put in a box. And in fact, the great thing about the Enneagram is that you're actually in a box already. And my job is to help you to be free from that box to really be your best self because our personalities can constrain us into believing we have to do things a certain way. And I get the joy of saying, no, you, you don't. And I get to help pe free people's minds from certain thoughts. So to get down to the nuts and bolts of what the Enneagram is, it is your personal GPS. It is going to tell you, the big word is why, why you think, feel, and behave in the particular ways that you do. And why we do what we do is based on our core fears and our core desires um, and our core weakness, which we'll probably go over today. Um, but so if you're wondering, why do I do what I do? Well, you have a set of core fears and desires and a weakness that are constantly behind the scenes working that are either steering you in a good path or a not so good path. And so why I call it a GPS is that when you look at the symbol um, and you see all these lines like a star, those lines represent roads, uh, paths, whether a paths of stress or paths of growth. My mom, who's 75, she does not know how to use a GPS, which I'm sure your audience is like, what? How can someone not know? How to use? Like, that's just the easiest thing you know, <laughs> ever. And um, but obviously, as a lot of their grandparents, you know, don't. Um, but if I if she wanted to learn, I would literally have to sit down and explain, OK, mom, this means this is your current location. OK, so and so what I do as a coach is I help people find out their current location, which is their main Enneagram type. Then, so mine is nine, and if you were to see the symbol, you would see that I have two lines, and my lines go to the type three and the six. So then I get the joy of saying, okay, so let's say, um, are you going to share what your type is? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. Um, okay. So, I, yeah, no, go ahead. Keep going. I'll share it. I'll share it well, in a minute. Okay. So, um, so when... I talk with a type nine, I get to show them, okay, this road or this path or this line that goes to six shows that when you're under stress, you're going to act out some of the characteristics of a six that's not doing well. But as a type nine, the line that goes to three, I get to show them that when you're doing really well and you're at rest and you're free from the constraints of your personality, you're going to grow and know that your presence matters and you're going to become more assertive and show your value in life. And you're going to take on some of the healthy attributes of the type three. Now, that doesn't mean I become those types. I'm always my main type. But what it shows is how we as human beings have a unique ebb and flow to life. We're not just stagnant. We're not just, you know one type and that's it. There's a lot of, you know, growth and stress and exciting times and low times. And so the Enneagram accounts for all of that, which makes it really exciting. Um, so, so just to boil it back all down is when I'm working with someone, 
we're looking at what is your main type, which is your current location, and where do we want you to go? So your healthiest destination. And so I get to walk them through what that looks like, but just like all your, your callers when they're driving on the highway, there's that rumble strip on the highway. And if we're texting or falling asleep, hmm. we might veer off the side of the road unless the rumble strip on the side of the road wakes us up. And that's what the Enneagram is, is the rumble strip. And so I get to show them when these things happen, you need to wake up. You know, you are, if you keep going, you're going to veer off your best path and into that common pitfall that you find yourself in. And so the Enneagram really is that rumble strip as well. And that's how we use it just to wake you up. Nope. Don't go over there. Stay over here on your best path. I love it because, um, I think that a lot of people, I I think that when people hear there are nine types and we all fit into them, like, I think that, like you said, the first reaction is a little bit of like, it is, I think people feel indignant. Like I'm not the same as a ninth of the world. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I think that it really is, um, I, I really like it. And I think it's really freeing because when you said you are here, we're not all here. We're not all in the same spot. And so where we are is different and the way we need to grow is different. And so it's, yes, it's helpful to say like, we all should do this a little bit differently, but um, what it looks like for me to grow into the best version of myself is very different than it is from for you. And um, what's unhealthy for me may be healthy for you or vice versa. Or And so I really like that. It's really, um, it's a very personal And so I think that's really cool. Um, I actually ran across the Enneagram for the first time in eighth grade. So a really long Mm -hmm. time ago. And it's funny how I ran across it. Um, I had a group of, um, when I first started middle school, I had uh, kind of a a mean girl group of friends, um, Mm -hmm. which was just, so I have such a heart for friendship and like safe friendships. But um, then later in middle school, I think I, my, my friend group sort of became the mean girls. So I also like can see it from the other, the other side. Well, so we had a school psychologist that once my group of friends was sort of the mean girl group, um, which we've grown out of, thank God. Um, <laughs> they, uh, she invited us to be part of something she called lunch bunch once a week. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. thought it was awesome because all of our group of friends got to leave the cafeteria and bring our lunch into this little office and be even more exclusive. So I think it sort of backfired on her. Um, but I think <laughs> she wanted to like keep us close and keep an eye on us. But one of the things we did in there was take the Enneagram. And when I first took it, I was a uh, three. Um, uh-huh. And so, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what that means, but I was a three. Um, and that's really the last time I thought about the Enneagram was in eighth grade. And um, it wasn't until like, in the last couple months, I feel like God has really had me on this, on this journey of kind of a, a, another journey of self-discovery. And I think that in life we can kind of feel like, well, great. Like I have grown, I've changed. I know who Jesus is. I know who I am and stuff, but God is, is never done with us. He's always taking Mm -hmm. us deeper. And so, um, a couple months ago, I feel like God was really, was really working in my heart and just saying stuff like, I want to take you deeper. I want to heal some things that you don't maybe even realize are broken. And there were also kind of, you know, just a couple of things in my life that felt like, um, I was like kind of hitting a wall. Like, why do I always cry at this? Or why does this always frustrate me? And, and I couldn't really name any of it. It was like, you know, sometimes this would bother me and sometimes this wouldn't bother. It just, I just felt like I actually don't really know how well Mm. I know my insides. And so, um, God's had me on this really cool journey of, of like, depth and growth and, um, like learning new things about myself. Part of that's been going to counseling, which has been really awesome. But part of Mm -hmm. it was that Carl, my husband, 
um, he, uh, you know, is in kind of a new work season and he said, you know, Steph, I just retook the Enneagram. I think you should do it. And I think it would help mm. you put some, like, get some file folders with some labels on it to be like, I work like this to understand why I do what I do and yes. maybe help get around some things. And so I retook the Enneagram and, um, and that's when I stumbled upon you. And, and actually I, I heard you on another podcast and was like, okay, fine, I'm doing this. And so that day yes. I did it. And so that's why I'm, I'm so excited to, to invite, um, my girls into this conversation because I know that they are in, you know, seasons of life or, or in areas of their lives where they're getting stuck, where they're like, you know, in my single life or my dating life or my marriage or my friendships or my calling, my, my career, or, you know, just my relationship with myself or my faith. Like I keep running into this wall. Mm -hmm. Why do I keep doing that? And I love that the Enneagram is sort of like, okay, let's name this wall. Let's, and then like, let's find a path around it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And that's exactly what the Enneagram is all about. Um, And it's so great because what I've done is I've brought um, the Enneagram through a gospel centered perspective. Um, And because if if you Google it, you're going to find a lot of different um, ways to see the Enneagram because the Enneagram itself is neutral. It's not like it is um, one thing or another. So you'll see a lot of new age talk in different books. And then there's some Christians that have put, you know, maybe a gentle Christian language to it. Um, but my whole point is to take it deeper. Um, I'm a pastor's wife. And so we've used it for the last, uh, 12 years with people in our church. And what I've noticed is that we each have something that really blocks us from hearing the gospel in its entirety. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we don't believe it and that we're not saved. We are absolutely, but there's something that's really hard for us to like fully like wrap our arms around it and embrace it and feel safe with it. And so my goal is to help everyone to find what that one thing is like that last door and to give them that master key that unlocks it so that they can fully experience the gospel in its entirety and to be who they are, which is completely free in Christ, unforgiven and unconditional love, um, knowing that they're his beloved. And so the Enneagram is helping us to see what is blocking us. You know, what is that last wall or hurdle? And then it's still going to be there. It's not like, oh, we find it and it's like done. It's that's what we call the core weakness. It keeps, you know, um, coming back. So once we understand all this stuff, it's not that you just, oh, I'm going to live the rest of my life without any problems. It's that you're still going to have the same thought processes, but now we know how to bring scripture to it or correct thoughts or the truth so that we can free ourselves with the gospel in the moment. Um, and that's, what's more important. Um, and to be able to have this kind of language with our friends, with our spouse, with our boyfriend, with who our parents, you know, whoever it is to say, for instance, when I'm not doing really well, as a nine, I'm like peaceable and like just on a normal day, I'm like, so when I'm fine, I'm just peaceable and kind. But then when I'm um, not doing well, I get stressed. I become, like I was saying earlier, I moved to the six where I become anxious and testy and defensive and, and everyone can be like, who's this person and why is she acting this way? And now I can, now I know that it's happening and I can even apologize in the moment. Maybe I can't change it in the moment, but I can say, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm really under stress. You know, this is my bad. And it frees that relationship to move forward rather than being stuck or blaming others because I know I can rest in the gospel. And I know that I'm safe even when I'm making the mistake at that moment. And that whole idea just frees us to continue to be who we are. Not like, not to say that I could just be bad all the time or be mean, but I can apologize even in the moment when I know that 
I'm not sure my heart's ready to, to be fixed or to change. Um, but then the other person knows, Hey, I'm not blaming you for this. This is, this is me. And this is where I get stuck. And, but the greatest thing about the Enneagram is it gives us compassion for one another mm -hmm. and understanding. So if you think about all of us wearing sunglasses and we have different colored lenses on our, you know, um, glasses, then what happens is, so let's say you're wearing teal and I'm wearing purple. If let's say we just don't get each other for some reason, like I don't understand it, but then we learn the Enneagram, then I'm putting your lenses on for a second and you're putting mine on. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, that's why you see the world the way you do. Or now I understand why that's hard for you and how I can have compassion and empathy and understanding and I can move towards you with a lot more love and graciousness than maybe before, because most of us think everyone sees the world the way we do. Mm -hmm. So we get frustrated with people. Why don't they see it this way? Or why did they do that? And this really helps us to uh, um, enlarge in our capacity for friendship yeah. and relationships. So it's just a really amazing tool to use. Oh, I love that. Well, um, so I feel like let's get into it. Would you yeah. um, share and I'll share, I'll share my type when we get to it. Um, yes. but, and I have like maybe some questions about some of the different types, like things, you know, I've kind of run across or, um, questions I've come up with along the way. So, um, yeah, would you give us kind of a breakdown? Yes. Like, what are the nine types? And, um, right. And I love to, like, I think that every once in a while when we're like, when I've, I've, cause I've heard, um, I've heard you and a couple different people run through the types a couple times. And I feel like part of me is trained to hear mine. And, and I think that's mm -hmm. really good. But two, I think that we can tend to, to like gloss over the ones that are like, oh, that's not me. But something that's been yeah. really helpful for me is to like listen to a type and go, I wonder who I know that's like that. And there are a couple of my friendships specifically where I've been like, oh, wow, yeah. like this friend is this. And oh, like I didn't realize she was feeling that way or I didn't. And mm -hmm. like I can see it totally or, you know, family members or something like I can totally see it in them. But exactly like you said, it gives me so much more compassion for them. So, um, so yes as everyone's listening, like know that one type will be yours and that's awesome. So listen for that. But also if you are kind of like, no, this isn't me. Um, think about who in your life it might be because it mm -hmm. just gives you Absolutely. such insight into who they are and why. So anyway, absolutely. Yeah, and so a couple things I'll say before is, um, on trying to find someone else's type, um, it's, this is different than like the Myers Briggs and strength finders and all those things. Those are great those are describing kind of your outward behavior and this is describing your inward motivation. And so we can't really type other people. They have to do it because we don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And in fact, sometimes we don't even know why we're doing what we're doing. Seriously. It takes time. So just to realize that we might think we know someone's type. A lot of times we're surprised at how we're kind of off. And when you get to understand the Enneagram in its entirety and how these lines work and there's things called wings and there's a lot of like nuances, then you realize, oh, they might have appeared to be a certain type, but actually they're a different type. So there's like, even we were talking earlier about how each type has three different subtypes and you know, there's just so many layers. And so that just gives people the, the freedom to say, I really don't know people's type, but now I can better, I have a tool and a resource to know that there are these nine types and that I get to invite my friends to discover themselves. And what they can do is we're going to run through um, the nine types and they can do two things on finding their type. They can take a free assessment on my website, your Enneagram or, and, or they can go to my store and there's a free PDF download on all nine types. That's going to have exactly what I'm saying today. 
so they can download that, share it with their friends and have good laughs and <laughs> maybe a good cry all at the same time. So those are some places they can go. Now the test isn't always gonna be 100% accurate because it depends on how well you know yourself. So what I would say is once you take the test, go to this free PDF and find the type that has your core fear, your core desire, and your core weakness. Um, and then the, the message your heart longs to hear should really be uh, resound in your heart. Um, the second thing is, is some people are going to find their type really fast and they're going to be like, score, yay. Um, that's really wonderful. But there's a lot of people that have a hard time finding their type and there's a lot of reasons for that. And that's perfectly normal. In fact, I would say that's more normal. And those that actually struggle to find their type tend to actually grow more and transform over time in a deeper way because they've had to take the time to learn about themselves, to go inward. Um, so if you're one of those people that can't find your type just today, rest assured, it's perfectly normal and you actually are probably on a real great path of growth. Now those who find yourself fast, don't stop there. Take a deep dive, learn about yourself so that you can stay on your best path. So that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. Okay, so type one is the moral perfectionist and their core fear is being wrong, bad, evil, uh, corruptible, inappropriate. Um, it's more ethical based, you know, it's ethics and morals, right and wrong. They desire to have integrity, to be virtuous, right, um, and to be the good boy or the good girl. So again, it's about ethics, not so much appearance. Um, it's more about this internal drive inside them. And so for them, they have this strong inner critic. It's like a megaphone, because we all have an inner critic but it's like a megaphone right in their ear that's constantly berating and telling them what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, this is right, this is wrong. And then also just wanting everyone else to do what's right because they're hoping that the inner critic will calm down if everything finally becomes right. Mm -hmm. um, but, and so they, things leap out at the moral perfectionist as an heirs. So like if they walk into a room and they see something off or not right, it like leaps out at them and they think that everyone else sees this, but they don't do anything about it. So that's where their core weakness comes in, which is resentment. And this is where their anger is repressed. So they don't really feel anger they feel this resentment and it leads to continual frustration and dissatisfaction with others and the world that it's not perfect mm -hmm. because an inner critic in their mind won't stop until things are perfect. And if everyone sees what they see and they're not doing anything about it, that would bring up a lot of resentment, but people don't see the world the way that one sees it. And once the ones kind of realize that, it's not that it like frees them from this resentment, but it helps them to have a un understand that people aren't avoiding making things perfect because of them. You know, like it's like sometimes they think, oh, they're leaving it all up for me to be the one to mm -hmm. fix everything. Yeah. That's not how it is. So hopefully that will free up the ones a little bit. Yeah. Now, the message their heart longs to hear is that you are good. They, we long from this from our parents, and then um, as time goes on, we long from it from our spouse and our kids and, and just people in general. Here's what the gospel says, is that Christ was perfect on your behalf, and he gave you his righteousness. And so when God looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness, and therefore you're free to live through that. And that's just like, oh, 
yes, you know, there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that can free up those that are type ones into living out the fullness of who they are without always striving to be perfect because Christ was perfect for them. But that doesn't mean just do whatever you want, but it frees them from that constraint. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good. Okay, so type two, I don't know if you know of anyone who's a type two. I do, I'm a type two, there we are. (laughs) Yeah, so she's a type two, my daughter's a two. Um, So they're the supportive advisor, and their core fear is being worthless, needy, inconsequential, uh, dispensable, unworthy of being loved, um, just anything like that. Um, And their desire is to be loved and wanted. Now, the twos, and we all want to be loved, you know. So, but what it looks like for the two is they have a heart to give, um, whether they're healthy or not healthy. They just love to give and serve, and that's wonderful. What they're hoping, though, is that they'll feel love in return. So sometimes what they'll do is that they give to get. So they'll give advice and serve and um, support people, hoping they'll hear, oh my gosh, thank you so much, or you're amazing, or that was so wonderful, or how did you know that I needed that? Um, because twos have this um, this like superpower of walking into a room and knowing people's feelings and their needs. And then what they'll do is they'll gravitate the, to the, towards those that are needy or have a need, and they want to offer something to them. One, out of just a really great heart, but then sometimes it's to get the affirmation in return. Um, and so the core weakness of the two is what's called pride. But this is not probably what people usually think in their mind is pride. This is the inability or unwillingness to acknowledge their own needs and pain and suffering. Um, and so the reason why they do that is they deny what they need and ignore it. Because if they need the affirmation from others, then if someone is focusing on their need, then how can they give to someone else, which then in turn would give them that affirmation. So they try to ignore their own needs. So they're constantly serving others to then be filled up with that love. But what they really long to hear is you are wanted for just being you. And the great news of the gospel is Christ came solely because he wanted you. You know, he didn't come because you served or you did this or you did that. He came because he wanted you and he loves you unconditionally. And I think when the two can fully embrace that, then what they'll see is they'll still give and serve, but they're, it's like, you know, filling up a coffee mug and it overflows Mm -hmm. their, their giving is going to be from an overflow of Christ's love and in them and they're going to feel that versus being empty and needing to hear that same message from other people, which never fills us up. Right. It, it, it feels like it will, but it doesn't. And so that's where we want them to rest in who they are in Christ, fully loved and wanted by him. Does that ring true for you? Oh, it does. And you know, it's funny. So, um, I told you before we started recording that when I found out I was a two, I was mad, which you said is pretty normal that (laughs) people are like, Oh, that's not me. Because you know that you know, yeah, like you know the depths of the, um, of like the weakness there. Um, I always thought that I, I didn't think I was a three anymore, even though I was when I was little. Um, but I thought I was gonna be a seven, which seven was like my second, second one. It was like just slightly below the two. Um, and I think that there are definitely some traits of a seven that I have, but two is like if we're talking about why we do what we do and like what we long to hear, that's for sure true. And so. It's been really interesting. I have been 
um, like learning lots more about the two and it's brought up some really, um, really important questions. Um, and especially like it's, it's cool because, um, the counselor that I've been seeing here in Nashville is familiar with Enneagram. And so we've been talking about it. It's been so good. And, And so she asked me that like last week she asked me, she said, Stephanie, um, when did you learn how to make, like how to, uh, get people to like you? Like, where did you Mm. learn that? Or when did you learn that? And I just like wide eyed was like, I have no idea. Like, when do you learn something like that? And so I'm still working on that. I'm still pondering, but it's been interesting. Like I, I've really boundaries and, um, taking care of myself and making sure my cup is filled, like that I'm, that I'm giving out of the overflow, not like draining my cup and then scraping for more. Like that's a really hard thing for me. And, and saying, you know, when to say that's enough, I can't give anymore. Or, um, you know, I, I love you and I want to be there for you, but like, I can't be your person. Like that's really hard for me. Um, Mm. and so I've, I've been learning lots about that and I've really been learning how important it is to me to be liked and that I like, I'll do, um, like yes. just about anything to, to get there. This is an example that kind of came up this week, but, um, someone lent me a book, um, and said, Hey, like I, you should read this. And this was last Thanksgiving. So this Thanksgiving's coming up and I'm going to see this person again. And <laughs> I haven't read the book. Not only that, but it's a really sad book and I have the most tender heart. And so reading yeah. a sad book is going to just like put me off for a week. Um, yeah. and so I've been in this like really stressful place where I'm like, this person will like me more if I read this book that they suggested to me. But if I read this book, it's going to really harm me. But then I've been like, no, I'm probably going to do it anyway because I want to make this person happy. But then the other thing is like, you know, trying to figure out what, um, like how, like kind of weighing the pros and cons. So, um, I love listening to audiobooks. That's just like my favorite way to, to, I guess, read. Um, but, uh, this book is 17 hours long. So oh my hours long. So my question is, do I make this person happy and in the process make myself deeply sad and for 17 hours make myself deeply sad in, in, in the next week, like before Thanksgiving? Or do I disappoint this person? And like, it seems like there's an obvious answer there. That answer is not <laughs> obvious like, to me. What is your, yeah. So it's kind of like, well, what does your gut say? You know, yeah. or what, if someone were to say, if I were to say the exact same thing to you, what would your advice be? Oh my gosh. I'd be like, don't read the book. Are you serious? Like, it'll be fine if they don't like you yeah. because you didn't read a book, then you don't want to be their friend anyway. You know? Exactly. And that's what it's like for a lot of us. We have a lot of clarity outward, mm-hmm. but we have not a lot of clarity on the in, inside because the personality constraints are so powerful. They're going to, they're constantly giving us messages that are false. Um, and they're like kind of core lies and stuff that it's kind of like a record player that runs in your mind over and over and over again. Like my daughter who's a type two, she'll, she, you know, we talk about this all the time. So she's very well versed in the Enneagram and being a type two. But what happens though, is that she'll like what, if you don't do this, um, what I'm guessing is a lot of the thoughts in your mind is you're being selfish. You're, you're not loving the person well, you know, if you would just do this, you would be a better friend or mm-hmm. so it's these common thought, you know, and so that's where the Enneagram is so helpful. And what I do as a coach is I get to say, okay, let's talk about this and let's set you up for success in this because it doesn't ultimately really matter. And I think, you know, that, but the personality wants to tell you, no, this really matters. Like yeah. your whole life is going to crumble if you don't do this. Yeah. And yet if someone else were to do it, you would have clarity mm-hmm. like, oh, don't do that 
you know, um, but it's so much harder when it's us because yeah. it feels so real, yeah. but it's not. And so, um, you know, and so like, that's the thing is like, once you realize, okay, my well being is, is what God is calling me, you know, at, and, and he loves me, whether I read this book or not. And if I can stand firm in that truth, then I can tell this person, you know, I really appreciate that you gave me this book. And I really want to tell you that I had every intention to read it because I really like you and, and love our friendship or whatever it is you want to say. But what I've had to wrestle with is I know my heart and I'm so tender and sensitive that I, it would really put me out for a week. And I know you don't want that for me. So I decided that I would just let you know how thankful I am for it and to see if you want the book back or do you want me to give it to someone that would really be able to appreciate it. And so there's different ways you can say it. And just to kind of own, I think if we can own who we are in our glory and how God has made us, but also our weaknesses, you know, on this side of heaven. Yeah. And just to be honest with it, that's what brings freedom. Yeah. Because if I'm, if I know that I'm fully secure in Christ, that I am his cherished beloved child, then that frees me to be honest that I have these struggles. Yeah. When we get to the type nine, you know, I'll tell you mine. And the more I can just name them outwardly and say it to people, the more freedom I have because look, this is just who I am. And here's where I'm really great at things. And here's where I really struggle at things. And it's kind of like, you can't take the fact that I am his child, dearly loved and cherished. You can say what you want, do what you want, but ultimately at the end of the day, I am his, and that's what I'm going to you know, base my life off of. Now, it's a lot easier said than done, which is why being a coach, I get to walk people through circumstances that really trip them up. Yeah. Um, just like what you're saying, like this yes. feels so real and so hard. And it's such a but silly there's... thing, but yes, it's yeah. Hard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It feels so silly and it feels so clear when you say it to someone else, mm -hmm. but for yourself, it's so, so hard. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, like this kind of situation we would talk and, and of course I would be like, don't read the book. Um, <laughs> but to be free in saying what you want to really say yeah. that it's okay. If, if the person were to reject you or to be upset with you, you're still okay. It yeah. will feel horrible, but you're still okay. You're still loved. You're still cherished. Yeah. And that's their bad. Um, and it, now it doesn't make like, you know, that it's going to take a process, but your well-being is important. And for two, what we want them to realize is, you know, like when we're in an emergency or an emergency on the airplane, you know, the masks come down and they always tell you to put your own mask on first and then take care of your child or whoever. Well, the twos are running around the plane trying to take care of everyone else. Well, there's only 15 seconds until the, um, until you pass out and you know, you can't come to again. And so how much are you really going to help in 15 seconds? And so if you realize that if you put your own mask on, then you have the ability to really care for others. And so that feels the opposite to the two, like, no, wait, I have to help others first because it's being selfish. And I'm saying, no, you have to actually care for yourself. It's not being selfish, care for yourself so that you can actually do what your heart longs to do and how God has gifted you is to then care for others. Yeah. And so it feels backwards, it does. but it's actually, it's not. So, um, so anyway, that just kind of gives people a little glimpse of kind of the, the battles that ensue inside of each of these types. Yeah. Um, and yes, every type when they find their type is usually like, eh, I don't know if I really want to be 
this type. Might not. I don't think I like Benny Graham after all. <laughs> exactly, because it is very exposing, and that's where the gospel is so helpful because it's what gives us hope. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if you find a type that you're like, that kind of sounds like me, but I don't want it to be, it might be. Probably but is, yeah. here's the awesome thing is that Christ redeems all things and all types when they're healthy are super amazing. And every type that's unhealthy are really hard to be with. So nobody gets a pass. No one type is better than the other. Um, and so we each want to just honor how God has created us and to stay true to that and stay focused on his calling in our life. So now we'll get to type three, the successful achiever. Uh, their core fear is failing, being incompetent, inefficient, being exposed, um, you know, someone finding out who they really are because um, they're putting on achieving masks and personas all the time. They're shape-shifting um, and they fear being worthless and unable to appear successful or to be admired. And they, what they really want is to be valuable, admired, and respected by others, to have a high status and high regard. Um, and so what happens is with, with the type threes, it's always um, either you're the best or you're the worst in their mind. There's first place and last place. There's no second place. There's no, it's okay to have a B. Um, and that's how their mind works. That's, what's, that's what uh, is telling them. And now the core weakness is deceit, but what this really means is that they're deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others through their successes and achievements. So they're constantly walking around trying to show people their achievements because that's what they feel that that's, you know, the only thing that matters. So like for you as a type two, it's serving and giving and being helpful for the three, their mind is constantly telling them they have to be the best to be admired. And that's how they feel love is when people say you're amazing or you, you know, you got a a plus or that's amazing. Or I admire you or you're the best or whatever it is. Um, and that's what they feel like love is. But what they really long to hear is that you are loved and valued for yourself. You do not need to achieve my love. And that's a really important fact for a three is to realize Christ didn't come because you achieved anything. In fact, if we achieved anything, it's <laughs> we had achieved, you know, the opposite of what we want um, by, you know, sinning and all that stuff. So we didn't do anything to earn anything from him. He came and gave us his love because he simply loves us for who we are. And that can bring a lot of freedom to the type threes. Um, okay, so type four is the romantic individualist. And they fear being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, and being without significance. And so the their desire is to be unique, special, and definitely being authentic in their true self. So they're kind of always on this constant search for their authenticity and their true self. So they love to go deep inside. They have a lot of emotions and they like to feel their emotions and to work through their emotions to be able to present themselves to the world as who they really are, their authentic self. Um, and they don't want to be, you know, putting on any persona or anything like that, that is not okay for them. 
And now the core weakness, this is kind of what helps people to understand fours more is the core weakness is envy. And this is the feeling that something fundamentally is missing in them. And it leads them to feel that others possess qualities that they lack. Um, so they long for these, you know, what's missing. So they have a lot of longings of beauty and perfection, but it's more of a aesthetics perfect perfection or emotions and those kinds of things. So when you think about a four, one thing that will help people to know if they're fours or not is if we all had a puzzle that we're working on, which is ourselves, um, and it's going to be a beautiful puzzle and the four is putting their puzzle together. And at the end, there's like three or four missing pieces. And it's like, well, as we all know, we've done puzzles before. It's like, well, that was going to be great, but it's like not complete. There's something tragically missing. And then, so they feel like, oh, but then they look at everyone else's puzzles and they feel like everyone else's puzzles is complete and beautiful. And they envy or long for that wholeness or feeling like they're not tragically missing something. And so because they kind of feel like there's something tragically missing, they want to present to the world something unique about them, that, that they have something to offer. Um, and so that's where they want to be unique and special and different and for people to recognize that. Um, and so that's a really, you know, uh, uh, all of our weaknesses, that's a hard place to be. And what they long to hear is you are seen and loved for exactly who you are, special and unique. And that's what I love to just tell for is, is your puzzle isn't missing pieces. I know it feels like you're missing pieces and the core, um, messages of the four tell you that you're missing pieces, but God doesn't make mistakes. He creates beauty and you're beautiful, exactly who you are. And you have so much to offer and he sees you for exactly who you are and delights in it. And so that's really what I want fours to feel. Now, again, just like you were struggling with, that'd be so hard to not read the book. The four would really struggle with, but no, it really feels like something's missing. And I'm like, I know it really feels like something's missing, but there's not. And that's where as a coach, I would help walk them through with what feels like, you know, is missing and how can we renew our mind in a way that helps you to live out, you know, who you really are, that you are full and complete and beautiful. Mm. Any thoughts on the last two that you have or people, you know? I do. Well, actually, we have Mari here, um, who I know that y'all have gotten to hear from a lot. Um, we love Mari. And um, Mari's a four, um, but she also tests high on an eight. Um, and so, yeah, I know Mari's a four. I have actually a lot of friends who are fours, um, and they're very creative, and um, they're very, um, they feel deeply and um, mm -hmm. they're just, yeah, they're they're amazing. And, um, and I have some friends who are threes, too, and they are... Um, just like forces to be reckoned with in the best yeah. way. But also I think that, um, just like with all of our personality types, like mine, especially, I feel like there are so many, when we're not in a good space or when we're not healthy, we're like, we really, um, do, um, there's some like hard things about us. And so I think that, that learning about threes and fours and all the numbers have, it's really, it really has given me, um, a, an empathy for like, Oh, mm -hmm. like you think that there's something tragically like missing in your life oh my gosh mm. like it explains so much about when you're acting mm. this way I can see that and then also I can kind of speak mm. to that to say like no you're enough and and you're seen yeah. and you're special and um and so yeah it really like it, it really does like you said like it helps you put on someone else's glasses and you go 
oh yeah. my gosh okay well now it makes yeah. total sense why you did what you did and especially um, as girlfriends as we've been talking about earlier um is this really helps us to know how to encourage one another instead of being like what like you see it that way like that's weird you know like no that like, it's a really big deal to that person just like our our things are a big deal to us yeah. And when people can come alongside us and cheer us on towards believing the gospel, help us to renew our minds with scripture, um, pray with us, to cry with us, you know, with the things that really trip us up, that um, as we each just kind of sit with each other in our own perspective of life, with our personalities, um, with kindness and compassion, that frees people up to really embracing the gospel in its entirety. What we usually do, though, and intentionally or unintentionally is like, what? You believe that? Like, you know, and it's like, no, like we don't want to put each other down, even if it's not intentional. We want to say, oh, I'm so sorry that that's, you know, how your personality wants you to believe. But let's talk about what's true. I want to speak truth into your life. I want to love you um, and I want to encourage you. And so that that's what's more important is for us to all to understand one another deeply. There's this quote um, by Shana Nyquist, who I love, and I'm sure yeah. I feel like everyone loves her. Um, but it's this quote about how we can all believe, we all tend to believe the like darkest, most locked up versions of our own story and how um, what a good friend can do is like come in and throw up, like throw open the window and turn on a light. And uh, it's funny, when, when my husband Carl and I started dating, he um, bought me like a little moleskin journal and he said, mm-hmm. um, everybody, he was about to like leave the country actually for a couple of weeks. And he said, every creative needs a journal to have with them at all mm-hmm. times. And so you need this. And I opened it up and he knew that I loved Sean and Equist and he opened it up and that quote was in the front cover. Like he had written it in there uh-huh. and I was like, I am in trouble. I'm going to marry this guy. <laughs> this guy has That's my awesome. number. It was amazing. Um, but I love that. that. Awesome. It's, we can do that for each other as friends by saying like, Hey, I see what you're going through. I see, I see that this is a big yeah. deal in your life. Even though this isn't a big deal in my life, it wouldn't be a big deal to me. I see that in you. And, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next one's five, which, um, I have some questions about this because my husband is a five. Um, and so explain the five and then I have, yeah, I have some questions about it. Yeah. And what's really interesting, just kind of as a side note is I do find a lot of twos, married to fives. Um, I wouldn't say that's, I don't really, it's not like that is the type that the, the two is going to always gravitate. No. Cause I mean, there's, I have lots of twos that are married to other types, but I do find it kind of intriguing because they're kind of opposites and, um, in so many ways. Um, but the fives are the investigative thinker and their core fear is annihilation, being ignorant, invaded, incapable, not existing, or obligations placed upon them. And so what they desire is to be capable and competent. So to understand a five, let's go to um, the core weakness first, and then we can kind of unpack it a little bit more. But the core weakness of the five is called avarice, which usually means like greedy with money, but that's not what this one means for in the Enneagram. What it means is that they feel that they lack inner resources and that too much interaction interaction with others will lead to catastrophic depletion. And so what they do is they withhold themselves from contact with others and they minimize their resources and needs so that they won't have to need people uh, because the interaction they feel like will deplete them. Now, so it's kind of like, okay, well that I'm not sure if I understand that. Okay, so here, I'll explain it a little bit easier. So think about people as cell phones, okay? The extroverts in the world are the brand new cell phones out there that have batteries that last into the next day. They just keep going and going and going. 
And the introverts are the ones that last about 75% of the day, you know, probably 70, 75%, depending on how introverted you are. Um, and then the fives are more like, they have about 20 to 25% battery life. And what that means is, it's not that there's something wrong, but interactions with people is what depletes them, okay? So think about being with people like streaming something live on your phone, you know, streaming Netflix or uh, your TV, you know, direct TV live. Um, it sucks your battery really fast, right? Versus just looking at email. And so if they know they only have 20 to 25% of battery life in a day, they have internally strategized their day and planned it out in such, in such a way that they can ration out that internal energy to fit their day. So then when things pop up that they didn't expect, that's like streaming something live. It like sucks their internal battery really fast. So if someone would go, I'm throwing a surprise party for you today, not okay for a five. Because you just said, oh, you only have 2% on your phone left? No biggie, I'm gonna hit play, you know, a live streaming. And they're, and they're like, no, you can't do that. So it really feels like they're, it's gonna be catastrophic depletion. And so, for those that are social um, and extroverts and love being connected with people, they just do not understand this. That's why it's really important to understand that kind of mentality of the cell phone because all of us know that when we're down to like 2%, we're like scrambling for the next outlet. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we need to understand how fives can feel a lot of the time and how they plug in is by having time alone so that they can process their thoughts and feelings alone. And a lot of people that are social might think, well, why do you want to be alone? Well, that's literally how they recharge, just like we do when we plug into the wall. And extroverts, how they recharge is by being with people. And so it can make, you know, not make sense to people. Like my son is so extroverted, not flamboyant extrovert, but the true sense of extrovert of he gets energy with being people. He's so extroverted. He doesn't even like playing the guitar because he has to practice by himself. (laughs) And so he would rather practice with a friend in the room or something like that. So college has been great because there's always people around. Um, But the five is not like that at all. And so it's not just that they're introverts because there can be extroverted fives. It's that they have to recharge alone and in a private place. And so what you'll find is they'll have a private, private place, like a private inner sanctum that they love to have that's kind of just theirs, that no one really can utilize, that they can just know that they're safe to recharge, to process their thoughts and feelings. Um, Now, the, the message they long to hear is that your needs are not a problem. They really feel like if I were to tell you my needs, it's not only it will harm you, And so it's hard for them to actually share their needs with other people, which if for being married to a five, you can like see how like, but no, I want to know your needs. I want to help and serve. And so, um, and then twos are very sociable and fives are this withdrawn type. And it doesn't mean that they're not connecting, but it's going to look different. Um, and how you two are going to connect. Does this kind of represent you guys? Um, sort of, I think, um, Carl's very much, uh, we actually, we had him on the podcast this season and it was really fun. And one of the things we talked about is how he 
is he's so smart and he knows something about everything and he's really creative yeah. but also really strategic and I mean really he's like my own personal Google yeah um yes. and he's like very investigative and he's he's he loves learning and um and he definitely recharges alone um he 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 doesn't um like have like a man cave or anything but like he does stay up late like he kind of keeps different hours than most people and so definitely like at night is that's his time to just um to recharge and and that totally makes sense but he's way more connected um like interpersonally than like he definitely doesn't need to be around people as much as I do but he really he's like very warm and very um yeah very like he's he's really good at, at at connecting and really understanding people and I think that he really like he really values that connection and so I think the thing that I like don't really see in him is the is the really like withdrawn piece and so I'm always like are you really yeah. five and he's like stuff there are layers and there's nuance and stuff and right I always ask him but I'm like does this resonate with you because it's it's funny because yes. I think a lot of people they're like um you know I like I learned so much about my spouse from learning about the Enneagram and I'm like well I am more confused than ever <laughs> yes exactly well and that's the, the thing we kind of were talking about this earlier with um the type four and how there was in you know three type fours and we were trying to help um uh mari find out you know because she didn't feel like i mean she's she knows she's a four but you know when she reads the descriptions the stereotypical descriptions it doesn't always fit Mm -hmm. and that would be the same for your husband is there's a lot of stereotypical um writings about the five but then when we take it a little bit deeper we see that there are different um, types of fives and some are very sociable and then some are going to be very withdrawn. And it's kind of like me as a nine, when you read about a nine, a lot of nines can be super withdrawn, very quiet, almost like their wallpaper and just not going to show up at all. Um, and go along with everything. Well, that's just not me, mm-hmm. but I still have the same core fears, desires, and weakness. And so that's why when I, when people, if you're just looking at outward behaviors and, um, the outward parts of us, that's not going to name a person because for instance, like all of us girls out there, let's say we do like a clean room, you know, like a rim clean, um, we'll clean it for different reasons. The type one is going to clean it because it's the right thing to do. The twos are going to clean it because their friends are coming over and they just want to have their friends enjoy the space and it's going to be great. Um, the threes are going to do it because it looks good and it, it's an image thing. The fours because it brings beauty and aesthetics and they can show people their unique style and so on and so forth. So um, each personality does things for different reasons. And there's, so there's the why. And so like your husband's probably more, one of those fives that is much more of the extroverted type where he's he is warm and wants interaction, but he knows how he needs to recharge. Where there are some fives who really want to be alone a lot of the time. And so there's just a range. And that's why we said like, for instance, the, the fives are yellow on my, um, on my symbol. And so there's a wide shade of yellows. And so that's why I love hearing how your husband's different, but he knows the core fears and desires and the weakness are still the same. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Okay. So tell us yeah, about six. Good. Okay. So six, I've got my son and my husband, my mom, some of my closest friends are sixes. Um, they're the loyal guardian. They fear fear itself, being without support and guidance, being alone, blamed, targeted, and physically abandoned. So what they're really desiring is security, guidance, and support. Um, and, and I'll kind of explain that a little bit with the core weakness is anxiety. And they're because con- they're constantly scanning 
for possible worst case scenarios or what might happen and predicting and planning to make sure they don't happen. Um, and so sixes have it, like the ones we talked about having one strong inner critic that's loud and berating. The sixes have an inner committee that come from all different angles. And they're like, well, don't forget about this or think about this or this could happen or don't forget about that. And it's like, you know, there's all these competing messages. So a lot of times sixes are like, oh, I feel crazy, all these thoughts. And I'm like, you're just a six, it's okay. Um, and so they do have a lot of anxiety and angst because they're constantly scanning and predicting and planning. Um, and what they really want, what their heart longs to hear is you are safe. And, you know, Christ, does give that to us, right? I mean, even though on earth, you know, there's still things that could happen ultimately, eternally, we're safe. You know, he is our protector, our shield, our rock. Um, and so we can know that our ultimate safety comes from him. So those are sixes. Um, and the sevens are the entertaining optimist. Um, so they fear being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, and they're the ones that definitely are afraid of missing out on something fun. Mm. So the FOMOs. Yep. <laughs> now everyone doesn't want to miss out on something fun, but this is like worst fear ever. Like I cannot miss out on stuff. Mm. Um, or boredom would be just horrible. So they desire to be happy, satisfied, and fully content. And so what that looks like is um, what their core weakness is gluttony. And they have this insatiable desire to fill themselves up with experiences and stimulation. And in order to avoid emotional pain, they pursue a variety of positive stimulating ideas and activities um, that will help them to be satisfied. So for them, think about their internal world as like a bucket that's empty and it has holes in it. They're constantly needing to fill it up. Like, oh my gosh, I feel empty. I got to fill, fill, fill. So they have experiences and stimulation and all these things. So they don't have to deal with anxiety or pain or negativity. But the problem is they have all these holes that it just all seeps out. And so they have to keep filling and filling. Um, and what they long for, the message that they long for is that you'll be taken care of. Well, the good news is Christ has taken care of all of your needs. And when the seven starts to be more present in their daily life and looking around at what they do have and having gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord, not that they aren't, you know, thankful people, but once they really focus on the present moment and savoring it and being thankful for it, the whole start to plug up. Now, we're on the side of heaven, so there's always going to be this feeling of I need to fill, fill, fill. But when they realize Christ is the one that fills them up, that sensation of feeling filled up will come more and more and more. Um, so then the type eight is the protective challenger. They fear being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, manipulated, and at the mercy of injustice. Um, so what they want to do is they want to protect themselves from harm, being controlled and all these things. Um, now their core weakness is either called lust or excess. Now this isn't relationship desired. It's a constant need for intensity, control, and self-exertion. So you'll see them constantly pushing and exerting themselves in every sphere that they're in, their relationships, their work, um, you name it. And that makes them feel alive is to be passionate, to be driven, to be strong, um, and they really fear being betrayed. And so with their message that they long to hear is you will not be betrayed. And the good news of the gospel is that Christ was 
so betrayed that he knows what that feels like. And he has told us he's not going to forsake and leave us. And when Christ says that we know he is bigger and stronger and will protect us and not betray us. And so that's a real comforting thing for the eight. Anything on the last three that we talked about that, you know, people or. Gosh, I feel like I know people in, um, I don't know how many sixes I know. One of my best friends might be a six. She's trying to figure out. Um, she tested maybe equally two and six or either like really, really close. So she's trying to figure that out. But um, I kind of thought that I was going to be a seven. Um, I thought uh-huh. for a long time I was going to be seven. And seven was like second to two um, really closely. But I think that it was the... So I think that when you're saying um, outwardly, you can appear a certain way, but inwardly, yes. the reason why you do something is different. So I think I can appear as a seven and I share some traits um, with yes. sevens, but um, it's, but the reasons aren't the same. It's not, um, it's not uh, a constant feeling. Like I definitely have FOMO for sure. I think everybody does, right. but it's not, yeah. but it's, it's not, um, I, I don't think I'm, I'm constantly seeking out experiences or mm-hmm. things as much as, um, yeah, it was reading the core fears and, and mm-hmm. desires and um, weaknesses. Yeah, that's and stuff so good. Like, hmm, like I, I think I look like a seven, but I'm actually, I'm actually. Yeah, not. and that's what's so important is because um, sevens and uh, twos, where they would look alike, is they're very optimistic people and fun and can be bubbly, um, or at least some of them. I mean, it doesn't mean all of them are, but and so that can make, especially sevens, will appear fun and bubbly, and so that can make some people think, oh wait, you're probably a seven. And again, like you said, it's so good that you, okay, let me look inward and see why I do what I do, and that's really good. So awesome. Okay, last but not least is my type, mm-hmm. the nine, the peaceful mediator. So nines fear being in conflict, especially conflict directed at them. That is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> so being in conflict, love shut out um, in a discordant relationship and definitely the fear of being overlooked. Um, now, what we desire, we think is pretty simple, is inner stability and peace of mind. Like, can we all just like get along and like just have inner stability and, you know, peace? Um, but that's not the world we live in. Um, so the core weakness of the nine is sloth. Now, this does not mean a physical laziness, though. We definitely like chilling out, I will say. And we definitely love our comforts. We're comfort junkies. But this sloth means that we desire to not be affected by life or an unwillingness to fully wake up to ourselves. So we have a really hard time knowing our own desires, needs, and abilities, our passions, um, our calling. Um, and so sometimes we resist bringing our full self to life. Um, and so what I tell people with nines is if I tell you what I want and you have a differing opinion, then that feels like conflict and that's not comfortable. So it's a lot easier just to go along to get along. Mm -hmm. And what happens even as children, we were trying to be connected with both of our parents, whether we could or couldn't, we were trying. And so we saw our parents' desires and wishes and we kind of took them and flooded ourselves out. So we just kind of went along with, you know, to keep, you know, peace. And we weren't like upset about it, so to speak, because we're just kind of easygoing people. Um, But what happens is we didn't get to know ourselves really well. So when people say, what is your passion? What do you want? Like, even when you asked me earlier, like, what's a fun fact? It's like, I don't know. What is a fun fact? (laughs) Because what happens is for us nines, it's like we're driving in a fog and 
our desires and wants and passions are down the road a little bit. And if you only can see a quarter mile of ahead and you were to ask me, okay, if you could do anything in the next five years, what would you do? I mean, a nine is going to freeze up and like, please don't ask me that question because it's like, I can't see it. And even if I, if I talk about it for a while, I might arrive there, you know, but I might not. And that really is hard for nines. Like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? Um, and that can be really frustrating to other types that have a lot of clarity of their life. Like, how can you not know? And I think it helps others to realize, well, when we all drive in a fog, we can't see. It's just the way it is. Now, what the nines need to do is to try to show up, try to learn about themselves. For a lot of your listeners, they may not have seen this movie, but Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts back in the day. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah, it is. It is good. Um, But what you'll find is in the movie, her favorite type of eggs, um, like whether it's poached or scrambled, was always her fiance's favorite eggs. And she had several fiancés, which is the whole point of Runaway Bride. Um, And so she always switched to the new fiancés. Excuse me. And so at the end of the movie, what you see is that she's realizing she's just been going along with everyone else in her whole life. And now she's trying to find herself. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the movie, you see her trying several, like probably a dozen different ways of preparing eggs by herself and just trying to figure out who she is. Like, what do I like? And that's the work of a nine. Um, and so that's really hard and it feels, um, that there'll be conflict that will come from it. But when nine show up, they have so much wonderful abilities to offer the world. But the problem is they don't know if anyone's going to care. So the message their heart longs to hear is your presence matters. And we want them to realize your presence mattered so much that Christ literally left his throne, came and was born in a manger, lived a really hard life, died a brutal death and rose again, all because he wanted you back to himself. You mattered that much. And once a nine realizes they mattered, not in an arrogancy way, because we don't like that kind of stuff, but as I have value based off of Christ, it helps us to show up and to offer ourselves instead of hoarding our own abilities, we get to then bless others. Yeah. So that's the, the nine. Oh, that's I the whole, it. all the nine types. There oh, you go. I love it. Oh, whew, thank you for doing that. Oh, yes. that's so good. Um, so if, if, if the girls listening are like, you know, some of them may think, you know, I think I found mine. Um, Ooh. you said that, or if they're like, I'm still not sure you said that there's, um, an assessment on your website, right? Yes. And yes. we'll make sure to link to it in the show notes. Um, and you have lots of information about the different types and, um, how we can grow and, um, how we can, you know, use, use the Enneagram as a map, um, to help us yes. become the best versions of ourselves and not fall into the same traps, not run into the same brick walls. Yeah, um, do you absolutely. have any other suggestions for like mm-hmm. how to, how to figure out what we are and then how to use this to, um, get around some of those walls and, and to really absolutely. Like, help us be yes. Ourselves? What I would suggest is, so taking the assessment, getting the free PDF download in my store. The next thing I would do is watch my course called discovering you a journey through the Enneagram. It's only two hours long, but it's like taking a whole day's workshop and 
like distilling it down. So like Cliff Notes version. So I only put in there what's the most important information and it's super easy to understand. Like I take girls in high school through it all the way up to, you know, women in their fifties and sixties. So it's super easy to understand for everyone. It's quick. You're not going to have to read hours and hours of books and you'll be so much further along than most people because I take you through what you really need to know and to understand not only how to use the Enneagram as your personal GPS, but it's also going to go through all the types, which is going to help you want to find your type. But then you can watch it with some friends maybe, or your family over like a holiday or, um, and it's so much fun. There's so much conversation that can come with it. Then the bonus that you get with it is a 42 page, uh, downloadable workbook that goes with the course, but also is a great reference for just years to come. You can kind of flip through it really quick and go, okay, so what was type three again? And you'll see the key points, Mm -hmm. some that I described here and then a lot deeper stuff, but it's laid out. It's not like 42 pages of like just raw content. It's fun. It's like has nice graphic design. And so it's perfect for your audience. They'll love it. Um, and so I would, you know, go get that and it will save you tons of time of reading and trying to figure all this stuff out. Cause all the books super complicated, which I don't know why they make it complicated, but they do. And we don't want that. We just want something simple. Um, but profound. And so that would be my next suggestion after that, if they're really wanting to go deeper, um, either my personal coaching one-on-one and then, Um, we're going to also have my coaching as a course and I take you through five guide sheets and I break down your personality into bite-sized lessons, bring the gospel to bear in it so that you can watch each lesson, um, and then have time to grow between each, um, like module. Um, and that will bring a lot of understanding to yourself. And so if you're married, you can use it with your spouses. If you're not married, use it with yourself, talk about it with your parents, your best friend, have some good laughs and some good cries. But ultimately what you'll find is the transformation and growth that you want is going to accelerate by bringing the Enneagram and the gospel together, which is what I do. So those are the things I would suggest. I love that. Oh, I'm so excited about this. And I know, um, you know, I I get to talk to so many of the women in our community about just different things that they're running into and different, you know, Mm -hmm. like every time I'm in a relationship, it goes this way and I don't know why. Or every time I, you know, try to reach out and and connect with friends, like I always run into this one thing or like I, Mm -hmm. this is hard for me and and I don't understand it. Or, you know, I like I react to all these different things differently and and I feel like I don't have a map for myself. And so, like, I mean, that's totally the I, I feel like I've done a lot of work, um, you know, healing and growing and, um, and I feel like God's done so much work on me, but it's so cool that he's never done. And, um, I feel like I can see, it's been really cool to, to work through this in my own life and, um, you know, to be talking with a counselor and, and to be like spending a lot of time reflecting and, and praying through this because I can, I can see like, I'm not, I'm definitely not there yet. Um, Mm -hmm. but, and you know, we're always growing, but I can see this light at the end of the tunnel where some of these things don't bother me as much or some of these things where I don't yes. get stuck so much. And, and I mean, even just right. seeing that light makes me want to just like throw a party because it would be yeah. so nice not to be owned by some of these things. And so, oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So y'all, if you're listening and um, we're going to have all of the links and everything in the show notes, but, um, I mean, I'm on this journey and so I would, I would love for you to join me. Um, yeah. So Beth, we have three last questions that are sort of our podcast questions. Um, So tell us what is God teaching you these days? Yeah, what God is teaching me these days is, um, and this kind of goes along with my personality type, is to show up, to 
give others the gift that I've been given in understanding. So nines, uh, we get to see everyone else's perspective easily. Um, that's one way that we can keep the peace. Um, and that's a really unique opportunity for me to then coach and to love people well. But like I said, if I don't show up, then I'm kind of hoarding it. So just really having the confidence to show up in life and to give people my gift and to trust him um, is something that I'm just learning is just to be confident in what the Lord has done in and through me. Oh, that's really tough. It's really tough. It's so <laughs> tough. good. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me what is something in your life and it can be totally random that's been bringing you joy lately. Um, what's bringing me joy. I think just the sweet relationship with my kids at the age they are, um, senior in high school and a freshman in college, I have really, really great kids and mm -hmm. just them becoming more friends um, and just laughing at things like now that they're adults and we can laugh about stuff that obviously we couldn't have talked about when they were younger. Um, and so just, and watching them just grow up and be them has just been a really, a big joy lately. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. Um, okay. Then our last question is, um, tell us who is a woman who's been inspiring you lately? Okay. A woman who's been inspiring me, I would probably say, um, there's a book called fear to freedom. It's by Rosemary Miller right now. She is probably either in her late eighties, maybe early nineties. Um, so the book was written a while ago, but it's one of the main reasons of why I coach the way I coach is learning how to be free from these constraints. Now, this isn't about the Enneagram. It's about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of her autobiography of, of knowing that I don't have to have shame, self-condemnation and fear anymore. I don't have to live like an orphan. I am his child, mm -hmm. his beloved child. And I can have, I know, believe that I have forgiveness, unconditional love and freedom and forgiveness and just like growing in that. And so even though my my inside wants to believe I should have shame and guilt and all that stuff. I get to now renew my mind and to rest in the gospel. And so her book is just such a wonderful example of wrestling with our internal world and wrestling with the gospel and to free ourselves. So fear to freedom by Rosemary Miller. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm going to definitely be picking up the copy. It's awesome. It's not, it's not real big, which is great. Cause you know, you can just like read through it and underline it. Um, and the last, the, um, at the very back is a um, appendix by Martin Luther, mm -hmm. um, and she they kind of put it more in modern language, and it just totally blew my mind. So I remember being at Panera one day and just wanting to stand on the table and go, do you guys know what this means? <laughs> um, and just being so, of course, as a nine, I would never do that. <laughs> um, but I felt like it because it was just so freeing of um, who I am and what Christ has done in and through me and what that means, the implications of that. So yes, everyone should get that book. It's awesome. Beth, thank you so much for being You're here welcome. and for sharing your gift with us. And um, I just, I'm super excited about the freedom and the growth that I know is going to come after this conversation. Yay. So thank I'm you. so excited. Thank you. You guys, isn't Beth awesome? I just love her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy to get to share the Enneagram with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know that we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of the links for all of Beth's amazing resources. So make sure to go check those out. Guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I can't tell you how much it means to me to have you here at Girls' Night. Now, before you go, I wanted to ask you just a tiny little favor. 
Would you guys mind taking just 30 seconds to leave us a rating and a review for the podcast? The way that iTunes knows to suggest the podcast to new people is by the ratings and the reviews. That's how we invite new friends to our girls' nights. So if you would take just one second to do that, it would be so helpful. And I want to say the biggest thank you to all of you who have left all of those beautiful five-star reviews already. I can't tell you how much that means to me. Friends, that is all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls Night, and I have to tell you, this might be the Girls Night of all Girls Nights. It is going to be so much fun. I cannot wait. Okay, see you next week.